Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. Today I'm excited to bring you yet another wonderful lesson from the Commune Course Library. You'll be hearing from my dear friend Marianne Williamson, New York Times bestselling author, spiritual thought leader, and U.S. presidential candidate. Her first book, A Return to Love, inspired by A Course in Miracles, thrust Marianne into the national spotlight in 1992 when Oprah Winfrey featured her on her show. Now, since then, Marianne has penned more than a dozen books and helped millions of people actualize their best selves. Her commune course, titled Spiritual Makeover, is a four-part workshop offering universal wisdom for the challenges of modern life. In this program, Marianne delivers a master class in spiritual basics. She addresses numerous seminal spiritual riddles, including how do we eschew a fear-based mentality and learn to align our daily actions with a thought system based on love? And how do we see what is real and what is illusion in any situation? Or how can we live in alignment with our highest purpose? So today's episode is the first hour from this workshop filmed on location at Commune Topanga. Now, as you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of programs from top teachers and doctors on personal growth, spirituality, yoga, meditation, nutrition, functional medicine, and social impact. Essentially, everything that you need to be holistically well. So I encourage you to go over to onecommune.com slash trial and sign up for a free trial membership of Commune membership. That's one O-N-E commune.com slash trial. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire treasure trove of courses, including the full four-part spiritual makeover workshop. And please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher. It really makes a huge difference. So without further delay, I present to you, Marianne Williamson. Please join with me. Let's take a deep breath. Close our eyes. We see in the middle of our mind a little ball of golden light. We watch this light as it begins to grow larger and larger. Until now, it covers the entire inner vision of our mind. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden that surrounds the temple and a body of water that flows through the garden. We see that the inside of the temple is lit as well by this same beautiful golden light. And we are here, for we have been drawn together by the power and in the presence of God. We devote our time spent together, our relationships to one another, to Him. And we pray that the Most Holy Spirit shall be upon us, lifting us above and beyond the energies, the fears, limited thoughts that would obstruct us on our path. Rather, may love so infuse our very being that we are delivered from our own fears and become deliverers of others. And so it is, together we all say, Amen. Amen. Now, the very fact that you're here tells me that you're not new to a spiritual conversation. I don't know how many of you are actually students of the Course in Miracles. Raise your hand if you're students of the Course. Even if you're not a student of A Course in Miracles, these concepts uh, will not be new to you. There is one truth with a capital T. It is spoken in many different ways, all the great religious and spiritual systems. And you are probably um, uh, aware of and comfortable with some of those, some of that language. I use the language of A Course in Miracles because I personally am a student of A Course in Miracles. The Course in Miracles doesn't have any monopoly on truth. It's just one statement of universal spiritual principles. Whatever 
uh, particular system you are most comfortable with, you will do better translating for yourself than if I try to translate all the time as we go along. These are universal spiritual principles. The course is based on universal spiritual themes. However, it does use very Christ-centered language that we normally associate with the Christian religion. The course is not a religion. It is a psychological training in the relinquishment of the thought system based on fear and the acceptance instead of a thought system that is based on love. A Course in Miracles uses these terms in decidedly non-traditional, psychotherapeutically oriented ways. The Course in Miracles says religion and psychotherapy at their peak are the same thing because they both have to do with the healing of the mind. So we're going to be talking here today within the context of these terms, but once again, in ways that have nothing to do with religious dogma or religious doctrine. All right, so the Course in Miracles says, you think you have many different problems, but you really only have one, and that is your separation from God. So all of you were asked before you came here, um, what are some questions you might have? What are some issues you might be dealing with? The Course in Miracles is a psychological discipline, and I remind you that the word discipline comes from the same root as disciple. Discipleship is the same thing as psychological and emotional discipline. We live in a world where, and I have to say particularly today, and I also have to say particularly within the supposedly higher consciousness community, there is an endless fascination with analyzing the problem. There are people who brand their careers according to their particular analysis of the problem. And trust me, because I've been around for almost 40 years doing this, every season there's a new word that is the particular filter on the problem that all of us are supposed to somehow uh, join uh, in agreement around. The Course in Miracles is a very different kind of path. The Course in Miracles is not about endless analysis of a problem. And it would argue that endless analysis of the problem will not in and of itself get you to the solution. You can't get rid of darkness by hitting it with a baseball bat. You get rid of darkness by turning on the light. The Course in Miracles says that who you are is light. The Course in Miracles defines light as understanding. Who you are is love. The light in any situation that then casts out the darkness in any situation is knowing that you are love and disciplining yourself to align your thoughts with love. So you have a lot in today's traditional psychotherapeutic tradition, for instance, there's all this analysis of why you got this way. There's all this analysis of what's happening in the world and what your particular trauma is and what your particular victimization is. So let's get some stuff out of the way at the beginning. Living in this world is traumatic. Living on this planet is traumatic. So it's not, you know, this particular form that your trauma uh, uh, took necessarily. I'm not saying that those issues are not relevant, but I am saying that the endless analysis and what then that that endless analysis leads to an over identification with your problem. And what we want to do today is to remember you can't get rid of darkness by hitting it with the baseball bat. You turn out, you turn on the light. The love has the same relationship to fear that light has to darkness. You turn on the light, the darkness is gone. You turn on the love, the fear is gone. The fear was literally a misunderstanding in any situation. It was your misunderstanding of who you are, somebody else's misunderstanding of who you are, somebody else's misunderstanding of the world. It was all literally a misunderstanding. You dissolve the consequences produced by that misunderstanding by understanding. You dissolve the darkness by turning on the light. You dissolve the fear by turning on the love. The mind that is the fear finds that very insulting because since we have over-identified with the mind that is in pain, we have over-identified with the ego mind, which is a misunderstanding of who we are. The ego feels insulted and assaulted by any suggestion that we can do without it. And yet that is exactly what we are talking about today. We are not talking about denying our problems. We are talking, however, about denying their ultimate power.
over us. You cannot deny their ultimate power over you as long as you are identifying with the problem and the level of reality on which the problem exists. Problems do not exist in the level of ultimate reality. But as the Course in Miracles says, you are heir to the laws that prevail within the world you identify with. We are taught living on this earth to identify with what is basically no more than a mental construct. It is a mental construct that is born from the evidence of our physical senses. My physical eyes tell me you're over there and I'm over here. My physical eyes, my physical ears, my physical hands, my physical senses reveal to me the level of the body. We are separate and on the level of the body, we're imperfect. On the level of the body, we all make mistakes. On the level of body, we all make mistakes because we are all trained to think along the lines of the mindset that is determined by this illusion of our separation. I call it an illusion because it is not ultimate reality. Ultimate reality is, I am spirit, you are spirit. I am created in perfect innocence, you are created in perfect innocence. Nothing I can do can change the essential reality of this perfect being that God created me to be. Nothing you can do can change the ultimate reality of the perfect innocence in which you were created. Anything we do that is not love is not ultimate reality, because only love is ultimate reality. And that is the basic of the Course in Miracles. That is the introductory core concept. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Love is real with a capital R. What's happening in this three dimensions, the realm of the body is real, but real with a little r. Once again, we're not denying it exists. We're not stupid. We, we're not, I'm not minimizing the fact that I see you with my eyes. I'm not even failing to appreciate how magnificent it is that I can see you with my eyes. We're simply saying that over identification with this plane of existence of itself produces suffering. That is the message of the Buddha that it is an attachment that leads us to grasping. Why? Because this world will never be deep enough to sustain you. The roots of this world are not deep enough to sustain you. You will always feel hungry for something more and you'll always be grasping. That's pure Buddha. Once again, the Course in Miracles is based on universal spiritual themes that are at the heart of all the great religious systems of the world. Hey, it's Jeff. And as an athlete, I've been told my entire life to make sure that I get enough electrolytes. But it's only recently that I have truly understood what electrolytes are and the many essential physiological functions that they fulfill. Okay, so you ready for Electrolytes 101? Here we go. When essential minerals like sodium, potassium, chloride, and magnesium dissolve in a fluid, they form electrolytes, positive or negative ions needed to maintain vital bodily functions. For example, sodium ions are used by the brain to send electrical signals, hello electrolytes, through your neurons in order to communicate with other neurons and the cells throughout your body. So electrolytes are key for brain health. Sodium also retains water and maintains proper hydration levels and fluid balance in your cells through a process called osmosis. Now, calcium and potassium are needed for muscle contraction. They facilitate muscle fibers to slide together and move over each other as the muscle shortens and contracts. And magnesium is also required in this process so that the muscle fibers can relax after contraction. Now, magnesium is a total other beast. It plays a role in protein synthesis, sleep, and blood sugar balance, and hundreds of other functions. Now, it's for all these reasons and more that I add Element to my water. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. And guess what? No sugar. Element is sweetened with stevia, 
a plant-based sugar substitute that won't spike glucose levels. A 20-ounce serving of many popular sports drinks that I'm sure you know can contain 36 grams of sugar. It's absurd that those products are marketed as healthy when they contain almost as much sugar as a soda. Many listeners know that I still play competitive tennis. Now, before I started using Element, I was prone to fatigue and cramping during long matches due to the loss of sodium. No longer. I'm right there moving like a panther at the end of a grueling three-set match. So right now, Element is offering Commune listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash commune. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, drinkelement.com slash commune. Element offers no questions around refunds, so try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You've got nothing to lose. So go to drinkelement.com slash commune. The Course in Miracles defines enlightenment as a shift in our self-perception from body identification to spirit identification. We live on a, on a planet dominated by a thought system based on the belief that we're separate and that belief in separation produces fear. There are two basic attitudinal filters, and these two basic attitudinal filters um, result in two different emotional realities. One basic uh, filter is perception of the world through the level of the bodily senses. One filter is our learning, our conversion. It's not a religious conversion. It is a mental, emotional, and attitudinal conversion to knowing that while my physical senses perceive this world, I can, I can be trained and I can be aided by cosmic forces, which we will be discussing here today, to extend my perception beyond what the physical eyes perceive to what my heart knows to be true. In any situation where I choose to stand on what my heart knows to be true and not just what my physical senses tell me is true, I gain the power because I am then perceiving the light. I am knowing the light. No darkness can stand in the presence of the mind that perceives the light beyond it. And that's what this is about because that shift is a miracle. The miracle is when, yes, I know what you said, but the truth of me is that I know that God created you to be an innocent, loving person, and that is the only truth of who you are. So even though you said something to me that wasn't very nice, I can get all triggered by that, but I can only get triggered by it if I think it's real. I can remember who you really are. I can choose to extend my perception beyond what my physical senses just told me and remember who you are. People will be saying, oh, come on, Marion, don't you, she was rude. That was, that was a totally passive aggressive comment, you know. Oh, Marion, come on, don't kid yourself. That, that, excuse me, did you see the look on her face when she said that? Oh, come on, Marion, you know, stop it with the, with the Pollyanna routine. I remind you, Pollyanna, the whole situation changed because she was there. By the end of the book, remember she got there and the old lady was so unhappy and everything. At the end, I think she's marrying the gardener or something. Remember at the end of the book, Pollyanna. Anytime somebody tells you, oh, you're being a Pollyanna, say, thank you. I really work on it really hard. I meditate every single day. In other words, if I just want to keep my perception, stand there. I know what she said. I heard what she said. I saw that look on her face. I can. And that will be, once again, very Buddhist in feel, the wheel of suffering. Action, reaction. I will then react to what you did. I don't think that was very nice or whatever. 
and we're on a constant wheel of suffering. There's another way to go, and that's to know what I know. Now, maybe it's going to be hard because I'm triggered, but if I am willing to see a situation differently, I will be given the help by which to do so. We, the Course in Miracles says, and that means you, are an idea in the mind of God. If you have a problem, the Course says, with the idea that God is an idea, you have a problem with the fact that you are an idea. You are not a body, you are a spirit. Spirit is mind. You are an idea in the mind of God. Your body is a suit of clothes you're wearing for a while. Your physical birth was not the beginning of your life. It was a continuation of your life. Your physical death is not the end of your life. It's a continuation of your life. An idea, the Course says, cannot leave its source. <clears throat> that is why you cannot be separate from God. You are an idea in the mind of God. An idea doesn't leave its source. That also means, however, that if I project blame onto you, it will feel at first like, oh, I got rid of it and I told you what I think. I will actually end up feeling more guilty because an idea doesn't leave its source. If I give you love, however, I will end up feeling more loved because an idea doesn't leave its source. So you are this idea in the mind of God. God is all that is, the Course in Miracles says. And what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. There occurred millions of years ago in time as we know it, although for reasons we'll discuss, it never actually occurred because only love is real. And what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. The extension of the original thought of God, so cause to effect, thought to extension, father to son. It's all the same thing. The son, the effect, us, had a thought that was not loving. Now, because love is all that's real, when we had that original thought that was not loving millions of years ago in time as we know it, although since it's not real, it never happened at all, in that moment, we were actually not thinking because only love is real thought. In that moment, the Course in Miracles says, we were hallucinating. Now, the Course in Miracles says, because we are sons of God, because we are extensions of that thought, all of the power of God is in us. The only difference between us and God is that God created us. We did not create God. Now, since all of the power of God is in me, when I have a thought, I have the power of God. The law of cause and effect means whenever I have a thought, it will have an effect. The Course in Miracles says that law was created for our protection, but depending on what you choose to think. Now, this is the deal. If I have a loving thought, then I am co-creating with God and love will result. If I have a non-loving thought, since only love is real, I'm actually not creating anything I am making. However, the power of manifestation remains. If I think a non-loving thought, it will also have an effect, but only within a hallucinatory world. Illusions, the Course says, are as powerful as is the truth. So there are these two parallel universes. There's the parallel universe of bodies, billions and billions of bodies, and everybody feeling like we're alone. But actually, the line, God, there is only one begotten son, means God created us as one. There is actually only one of us here. So Jane is over there in her body. I'm over here in mine. On the level of the physical senses, she's over there and I'm here. Time and space, Einstein said, are illusions 
of consciousness, albeit persistent ones. So my physical senses tell me she's over there and I'm over here, but on the level of ultimate reality, who she is and I am, there's no place where Jane stops and I start. There is only one of us here. The Course in Miracles says you are like sunbeams to the sun, thinking you're separate from other sunbeams. You are like waves in the ocean, thinking you're separate from other waves. Now, think about the psychological difference here. Obviously, there is no place where one wave stops and another starts. But think about the difference in experience between thinking of myself as separate from all the other waves in the ocean versus thinking of myself as one with the rest of the ocean. If I think of myself as separate from all the other waves in the ocean, how can I not live in constant terror? How can I not live in constant fear of annihilation by other waves? If, on the other hand, I realize, hey, I'm one with every other wave. I move, this ocean moves. Ocean moves, I move. One makes me feel completely powerless. One makes me feel completely powerful. If I believe that I am separate, which the physical senses tell me, the belief in separation is the core belief at the center of the ego mind. The ego, and ego can be used differently. You know, I had a, a therapist many years ago who used to talk about the positive ego and the negative ego. We're talking here about the ego, just semantically, let's be clear. This is used in the same way the ancient Greeks used it the very idea that I'm a separated self. What I said to you a minute ago about feeling separate from the other waves, how could I not feel afraid? As long as I base my sense of self-identification on the body, therefore the belief that I'm separate, I will be in fear. The ego mind, which is the belief in separation, is given life by our belief in it, and it is proactive as all thought is. It is ever on guard to make sure that we are fortified in our belief in separation, and its main tool to make us believe in the reality of separation is guilt. If you're guilty, Obviously, you're not one with me. You know, I'm probably not. So the ego fortifies itself and fuels itself with every thought that you're better than me, that you're worse than me, that you're guilty for whatever reason. It could be your behavior. It could be your color. It could be your religion. It could be your, your age. It could be whatever it is. Any thought that you are separate from me, you are not like me. How do I know? My physical senses have told me. Once again, enlightenment is a shift from body identification to spirit identification, from the belief that we are separate to the memory that my physical senses tell me that, but my physical senses do not always tell the truth because my interpretation of my physical senses will always be either by the ego or by spirit. Hey, it's Jeff. Now, I always heard vitamin supplements are a waste of money as they just pass through your system. Expensive pee, right? Well, now I understand why and the reasons it's so hard to absorb large doses of certain nutrients through the pills, powders, and gummies at the store. Now, when you take these supplements or even consume foods, your digestive system must extract vitamins and minerals and depending on the nutrient convert them to a form your body can use now some nutrients depend on proteins to transport them into the bloodstream and to the cells for absorption now often these supplements contain such large quantities that your body doesn't have enough resources like transporter proteins to absorb the nutrients since your body can't store water-soluble vitamins like C and the B family, as well as minerals like magnesium, zinc, and selenium, they wind up excreted 
and never reaching the cells where they are needed to support your immune system, metabolism, nervous system, and so much more. Now, I didn't know all of this when I started taking Live On Labs Lipospheric Vitamin C. I just know that if Skylar was giving them to me, they must be good. Well, it turns out that Live On Labs understands the difficulty of high-dose nutrient absorption, and they became the first dietary supplement company to use liposomal encapsulation technology to enhance nutrient absorption. Now, liposomes are double-layered spheres that Live On Labs uses to surround, protect, and transport water-soluble vitamins and minerals into the bloodstream and to the cells for absorption. The liposomes are made of essential phospholipids, the same material that makes up your cells, so they easily pass into the cells and deliver the nutrients, staying behind to fortify the cell membrane. Now, the Live On Labs liposome encapsulated supplement line includes vitamin C, a B vitamin complex that contains pre-methylated folate, a magnesium specifically formulated for the brain, and the master antioxidant glutathione. And guess what? Only the ingredients necessary for maximum absorption. That means no sugar and no fillers, no colors, no artificial flavors. If you don't want to know what that tastes like, and trust me, you probably don't, make sure to follow the instructions on the package. Uh, right now, Live On Labs is offering commune listeners free sample two-packs of all their liposome encapsulated supplements with any purchase. This is a great way to try all six of their powerful supplements and get accustomed to their weird, unique, goo-like consistency. Just get yours at liveonlabs.com commune. This offer is only available through my link. You must go to liveonlabs.com slash commune. Live On Labs has a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. So you have nothing to lose. Go to liveonlabs.com slash commune. Millions of years ago, when the first thought of separation came, by the way, sin is an archery term. It means you missed the mark, means mistaken thought. That was the original sin. We are separate from each other. Now, hear me on this. God being perfect, being perfect love, God, and this is these principles, you know, as we go through the day, the issue becomes taking these principles. It's like scales on a piano. You have to learn your scales. So what we're doing now is the scales on the piano. Then the issue in life becomes applying these principles in very practical ways. So God being perfect love answers every problem and solves every problem the moment the problem occurs. Okay. The moment that we began to have the thought, I'm separate from love, what would perfect love do? Would perfect love then force us back to love? No, because love doesn't force. What God did in that moment was to create an alternative, to create what the Course calls a gentle bridge of perception that will take you back from this insane separation-based ego-fearful thinking to actual, ultimate reality, love, memory of who you are. That bridge of perception is also called the comforter. It is also called the internal teacher. It is also called the Holy Spirit. And one actualization of its power is Jesus. The Course in Miracles does not tell us he is the only name on that internal teacher door, but he is a name. And we'll talk more about that later. The Course in Miracles is not about trying to tell, trying to get us to believe in God. The Course in Miracles says belief is ultimately meaningless. It's about experience. It's not trying to get us to quote unquote believe in God. It's trying to get us to believe in one another. Belief in one another, getting it which is intimacy. How much more intimate can we be than realizing we are each other? That is the experience of God. There's a lyric in Les Mis, 
uh, to love another person is to see the face of God. Got it. All right. In that moment, God creates the Holy Spirit in our mind. I'm having an argument with you. You are, you did something. And it might be something that a friend says, oh, Marianne, just lighten up. And you're right. Oh, Marianne, just forgive it. It's no big deal. Okay, you're right. But it might be something where you trigger me deep. It might be something which really goes back to childhood wounds. It's not so easy as just my lightening up. That's when you practice the principle of willingness. The Holy Spirit cannot come into my mind and change my thinking unless invited, because that would be a violation of my free will. But if I'm willing to say, I'm willing to see this differently, and I invite the Holy Spirit to enter into my mind and to help me see this differently, then, because I have requested it, if I don't request it, it would be a violation of my free will. It won't happen. You want to stay insane? You can stay insane. You want to continue to bring yourself more suffering? You can bring yourself more suffering. But if you wish, and the ego doesn't wish, the ego will tell you this is nonsense. The best thing the ego would tell you about today is, you know, she means well. I think she actually believes this stuff. That's the best that the ego would want you to do here, right? Anything to make sure you don't take it in, right? So if you are willing and you say, I'm willing to see this differently, your happiness comes from living your purpose in life. Your purpose in life, the Course in Miracles says, is to learn to think as God thinks. And God sees that person in their innocence. And the Course in Miracles says, listen to this. This stuff is so radical. <clears throat> the Course in Miracles says, you were not born to be at the effect of lovelessness within yourself or from anyone else. And so I'm very triggered by what something you said or did. I, I, I can't get past it by myself. I have a therapist just telling me you're a narcissist, like that's going to fix it. <laughs> Even though your therapist, your therapist probably telling you I'm a narcissist, but narcissism and trauma are such big words today that we all just swim in that ocean. Ego loves that, right? The Course in Miracles says, look at the crucifixion, but do not dwell on it. Look at it, get it. You're not, you're not in negative denial. You're not, not recognizing that it's there, but keep going, keep going. Extend, extend your perception. You extend your perception, I am willing to see this differently. The Course in Miracles says that the Holy Spirit responds fully to your slightest invitation. I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to see this differently. Books will fall at your feet. Teachers will arrive. Somebody you don't even know will say something, and that makes all the difference. I want to give you an example in my life. Some of you might have heard this story because I tell it, I've told it a lot over the years. It was during the 1980s, and I remember it was during the 1980s because I had acrylic fingernails, which are relevant to the story. I was giving lectures, it was the beginning years when I was giving lectures on A Course in Miracles, and there was a woman who came to my lectures on Saturday morning, and she would do my acrylic, and, and, and also she's the one I went to for my acrylic fingernails. And I should go to her apartment here in Los Angeles. One day I was there, and she's working on my fingernails, and she has three or four girlfriends there. And they're talking, and I don't know these people, but they all know each other, they're all good friends. One of the girls, talks in this very, what I perceive to be grandiose way. And every time she spoke, I had wild judgment on her vocal and verbal mannerisms. I thought, who is this chick? What is she doing? And, and every time she opened her mouth, it was like nails on a fingerboard, uh, on a blackboard for me. My next thought was how ironic it was this girl who goes to my lectures doing my fingernails probably has no idea what bitchy thoughts I'm having right now. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice the irony. Therefore, knowing already that my life works well when I practice what I preach, I asked God for help. I said, dear God, I recognize that I'm having a really bitchy judgmental thought about this woman. I'm willing to see her differently. Within maybe a couple of minutes, one of the girls said to the girl with, that, with those speech patterns, is it true what I heard that they're letting your father out of prison? And I'm just sitting here listening. 
that girl, and this was just coming out because they're talking. She and her little brother were held in a dungeon of her father's basement their entire childhood. It was one of those situations like we would see on Oprah sometimes, like the worst of the worst you'd see in crime shows. They literally spent their entire childhood there. She never learned how to talk. They were finally, after many years, rescued. Her father obviously put in prison. And she was now learning how to talk. So five minutes before my mind is filled with judgment, five minutes later, my mind is filled with admiration, respect, compassion. She hadn't changed. I had changed. I had been given the information I needed to get off my high horse judgmental ego mind. Now, we are all, imagine your mind is a computer. So your real self and the real self in which you were created in Course in Miracles terms is called the Christ. Only one begotten son means we're all it. Imagine a wheel. Imagine a bunch of spokes on the wheel. You usually identify yourself with your position on the rim where you're different than other spokes. But actually, you take all the spokes down to the middle. There's one hub, one source point. That is the Christ. That is the mind we share. Carl Jung said, if you go deep enough into your mind and deep enough into mine, that there are mental images or archetypes that we all share. The idea of the Christ mind goes deeper. That if you go deep enough into your mind and deep enough into mine, there's only one mind. This is why sometimes you have experiences and we both got it. Because there's only one mind. In that space of love, ultimate reality, quantum space, beyond, beyond the realm of the physical body, miracles occur naturally because the way God created the universe, it's not only self-organizing, where miracles follow miracles follow miracles. You and I have a good relationship and it just gets better and relationships work and life works, but also when lovelessness has been introduced into the system, the Holy Spirit works like a GPS. If you take a wrong turn, it automatically recalibrates. So turn your GPS on. When I said, I'm thinking bitchy thoughts, I'm thinking unloving thoughts, I request, I am willing to see this differently, the recalibration was delivered to me. It's like, and literally the universe was planned in such a way for me to hear the information that I needed. And that is the way every problem that you have can be solved. The Course in Miracles says there is no order of difficulty in miracles. One is not harder or easier than another. God is not saying, God, I would love to help you. But you know, your mother was an alcoholic, so I mean, my hands are tied. God's hands are never tied. There is no such thing as a faithless person. Faith is an aspect of consciousness. The problem is, <clears throat> because we base our sense of reality on the physical world, we have more faith in the power of our problems than we have faith in the power of God to solve them. And that's what I hope all of you will leave with to some extent today. A fortified belief in the power of the light that casts out darkness because there's so much cultural stimulus that will convince you more and more and more of the power of the darkness. The ultimate recognition is the realization that in the space of love, all things are healed. Space is, love is an immune system. The diseases happen, but as long as the immune system is healthy, then we can handle the disease. And that's what's happening in civilization today. Our civilization is wounded. As we begin to see ourselves as immune cells, then the immune system is going to handle these societal diseases. The Course in Miracles says it is for that that we were born. Your power in any situation is to remember who you are and why you are here. You were sent here. 
The Course says you are not perfect or you would not have been born, but it is your mission to become perfect here. In every situation, you are there to be the light that casts out darkness. You are there to be the love that casts out fear. The ego mind says about every situation, what can I get? The spirit says in every situation, what can I give? What can I bring to it? What can I contribute? It's simply training your mind to think differently. In those moments, when we download the self that is not who we are, the wounded self, the needy self, the controlling self, the negative self, the limited self, the selfish self, whatever, we all do. We've all been wounded by this world. But the point is that the true you is an undeletable file. As you meditate in the morning, as you pray in the morning, we'll talk about all that, how important it is to align all this in the morning. Then you are, your nervous system is prepared to contain and to download the true you, the Christ you, the light you, the love you. And in those moments when we don't get it, because none of us are perfect, and I mean, few of us are, but not me, and I don't know anybody in this room who is. If so, talk to Jeff, you should do a class. <laughs> <clears throat> The issue is that the atonement means in any moment you catch yourself, kind of like I did with that girl. I felt those thoughts. I knew I was doing it. Catch yourself. You atone. And the Holy Spirit creates a reset in that moment. And the Holy Spirit will undo all consequences of our mistakes if we will let him. That's the miracle. All of you came here today with Issues that are personal to you. But you're going to understand more and more, I think, as we go through the day, listening to other people talk. We're all going through the same stuff. We're all going through the same stuff, just how hard it is to live on this planet. I mean, it's hard to live under, in, on this planet, you know? Uh, life is hard, love is harder. It's hard to live on this planet even under the best of circumstances because the ego fear-based thinking dominates this planet. The Course in Miracles says, Adam, in the Bible, it says that Adam fell asleep. Nowhere does, he, does it say that he woke up. A mass awakening has not occurred, but we better have one now. Because in our sleep state, the dreams have come, and out of the dreams have come the nightmares we experience today. Environmental devastation, prospects of nuclear war, weather catastrophes, all of these things are the nightmares that we have come up with. The only answer is not just within the nightmare to try to fix the figures, but to awaken from the nightmare. We all learned in school that of how evolution works. And if a species gets to the point where its, um, where its behavior is maladaptive for its survival, there will either be a mutation and the species will evolve in another direction. Hey, it's Jeff, and I'm excited to tell you about one of our partners here on the podcast. Vivo Barefoot is a natural health lifestyle company on a mission to reconnect people to the natural world and to their innate potential from the ground up, person by person, foot by foot. Created by Galahad and Asher Clark, two cousins from a long line of cobblers, Vivo Barefoot draws upon three simple barefoot design principles, wide, thin, and flexible. Now, these design principles lead to optimal foot health and natural movement. Vivo Barefoot makes their footwear from the best materials nature has to offer, allowing your feet to move, to breathe, and to perform with every step. A million years of engineering, also known as evolution, has yielded the perfect blueprint for standing, walking, and running. Your feet. When left to their own devices, they can cope with everything from walking and running to jumping and dancing, but cram them in a modern shoe and you cut off their natural potential. Now, I've been wearing Magna Forest boots for hiking the trails here in California. I love the feeling of the connection to the ground and their airiness while still providing me with the basic protections. I also get a ton of comments on the unique and attractive design. What's more, Vivo Barefoot is a certified B Corp. Vivo Barefoot is giving feet the freedom to move as mother nature intended. The best piece of technology ever to be put into a shoe is the human foot. 
So you can get 15% off your first Vivo Barefoot order at vivobarefoot.com and use the code VIVOCOMMUNE15 at checkout. That's vivobarefoot.com and use the code VIVOCOMMUNE15 at checkout. Reclaim your natural potential. The journey starts with your feet. Well, the species can go extinct. We are now living, humanity is on a collision course with itself. Humanity is now at a, at a point where our collective behavior is so maladaptive for our survival that we are living in two parallel universes, aren't we? We are living in a universe that clearly is one in which a world is falling apart in front of our eyes, some of which has to fall apart, and which if we analyze it correctly, we see is falling apart because it was not based on love. But there's another world that is struggling to be born. And our job is to be death doulas to that which needs to die so that it dies tenderly and without suffering for people and animals and earth, and to be birth doulas to the world that is struggling to be born. That is why you are here. The ego says, you're here to get what you want. What's my intention? What am I going to get? Enough with that. That's just ego dressed up sounding pseudo-spiritual. Spirit says, God sent me here. I wake up every morning. I remember who I am. As one of the lessons in the Course says, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And then you go out into your life in all the ways that we're going to talk about today. You are the light. Your own mind, the Course in Miracles says, the primary responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for ourselves. May my mind be healed of misperception. You go out into the world, your mind automatically becomes a transmitter of correct perception to others by your very presence. You become the light. And then at the end of the day, you can't not have self-esteem. You can't not have self-respect because you know you laid it down today. You know that somebody's life is a little bit better. And then at the end of it all, you die happy knowing that you kicked ass while you were here. That's it. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, all right. What I'd like to do, because we're going to be, as we go through the day, of course we want to apply these to specific situations, but we're still working on our scales here. So if uh, you have questions specifically about the principles I said, that would be the best thing for now if you have questions. So who has questions about the things that we were just talking about? So I'm um, really present to the fact that we are we are at that place that you just spoke about a few minutes ago about dying, about the death and then the rebirth. Can you say more about that? Anytime one um, historical era passes and another comes to replace it, there is tumult and trauma and drama. This has always been true. So first of all, you had a new century and you have a new millennium. Now every century is dominated by a particular kind of mindset. The 20th century different than the 19th. And now the 21st century is different than the 20th. The mindset that dominated the 20th century was very mechanistic. It was a Newtonian paradigm in which it was believed that the world, it came to be a, a dominant belief, that the world is just a big machine. And if you don't like what's happening in the machine, you can tweak pieces of it. That paradigm gives very little credence, if any, to the power of consciousness. In the 21st century, there's a far more holistic, whole-person perspective in which, as the British scientist James Jeans has said, it turns out the world is not one big machine. The world is one big thought. So the mindset, the paradigm, the consciousness that is struggling to come forth would and will solve the problems of the world. However, the, the basic powers of the world, technologically, economically, socially, and politically, are still based on a very regressive consciousness. And the two are knocking into each other. It's just like the bottom of uh, South America where the Atlantic hits the Pacific. These are profoundly turbulent waters. So we're living in this turbulence. We're living in this chaos. As one world, people are saying, we can do 
our agriculture differently. We can do economics differently. We could do peace building differently. We could do relationships differently. We could do race relations differently. We could heal them. And then you have all these institutions based on tremendous amounts of power and money, which are resisting these new energies because these, do, these new energies do not fall in line with the goal of short-term corporate profits, which are the economic governing principle of the old way. I was looking at um, online the other day, there was a speech given by the new president of Colombia at um, the UN. And it was just so inspiring. And it's like a world leader could talk this way. If we were traditional uh, religious people, we would say God is preparing his people. However, there are tremendous forces that resist the kind of regenerative energies that are trying to emerge on the planet. For you, as a miracle worker, the issue is this. You're going to have to make a choice. And only you can make this choice. You can live your life at the effect of the chaos. Or are you going to learn the tools by which to endure the chaos and transform the chaos. The solution is not just some bullet points. The solution is not just one person or five people or a hundred people. Your part will be downloaded to you. Your part will be downloaded to you. Your part will be downloaded to you. Jeff, start commune. Somebody else, write a book. Somebody else, be a political activist. Somebody else, work on the environment. Somebody else, work on sex trafficking. Your dharma, your passion will lead you to the peace that you hold. Maybe your field is education. Just like cells in the body. You to the pancreas. You to the lungs. You to the heart. Now, in the human body, every cell is led through a natural intelligence to its full actualization. The full actualization of every cell in the body is collaboration with other cells, and they serve the healthy functioning of the organ and the organism of which they are part. Every once in a while, a cell forgets its natural intelligence, disconnects from its collaborative function, and goes off to do its own thing. What do you call that cell? And that is what has happened to the human race. We have been infected by the malignant consciousness that is the thought, it's all about me. And our, our, our civilization is based on, it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about me. As opposed to it's about us because there's only one of us here. So what's happening now is that the immune system kicks in. And each of us, even though under normal circumstances, you, you do education, you, you do the environment, you, you do sex trafficking. At this point, we have to remember, politics is our collective assignment. So sometimes we feel like, oh, that's just kind of peripheral. At this point, the civilization, in fact, the entire species is so wounded that all of us must be activated as immune cells. All of us need to activate as immune cells, and all of us are sent to where we can best be of service. And whether you see it as specifically spiritual, I am as what the Course would call the teacher of God. The Course calls teaching demonstration, and God is love. To be a teacher of God means that you're going into any situation to demonstrate love. That's your purpose there. Within that, and this is a big deal because a lot of people are very cynical right now. A lot of people are very desperate right now. A lot of people, and rightfully so, look at what's happening on our planet today, whether it has to do with regenerative peace building, regenerative race relations. There are so many ways that the, the, the forces that are trying to heal everything are being institutionally resisted and being institutionally resisted in ways that legitimately make a thinking person go, we're checkmated. They do have it all sewn up. They have both major political parties. I mean, it's really, it's a scary moment. It's a scary moment if you don't believe in miracles. <laughs> but if you believe in miracles, you realize there is no order of difficulty in miracles. And we are 
what is happening now is this evolution. It has to be the evolution of consciousness because consciousness is the realm of cause. So whether you are a spiritual activist, you know, Martin Luther King said, do not take our passivity for weakness. We are materially passive, but we are spiritually active. Your spiritual activism means my mind is active. I'm seeing this differently. There is, there is already a well-articulated um, agenda for spiritual activism. It's called the philosophy of nonviolence. It was first articulated and practiced by Mahatma Gandhi. It is the way that the British, excuse me, that the Indians successfully got rid of the colonial empire of the British in their country. Martin Luther King traveled to India. He studied the principles of nonviolence, and then he brought them back here to apply them to the struggle for civil rights in the 1960s. So that was the second greatest uh, political revolution, nonviolent again, uh, in, uh, in the world in the 20th century. A basic principle of nonviolence is self-purification must precede direct political action. Gandhi said the end is inherent in the means. Angry people will not bring peace to the world. We must find peace in our hearts. We must refuse to demonize the, the opponent on a personal level. And it is our conviction that will bring forth the new world. Now, this is really important. The Chorus of Miracles says, miracles arise from conviction. Look at this country today. More people in this country love than hate. But whether in this country or around the world, notice how the haters hate with conviction. Now, if you have 10 people who hate with conviction and 100 people who don't hate, I love, and I'm, uh, listen, I'll show up for this on Tuesdays and Thursdays from two to four, you can have me. So if you have 10 people who, no, I will do anything to effectuate my worldview, and I'm down for that 24 seven, and then you have 100 people who are kind of sort of, you know, casually committed to global transformation, where's it gonna go? It's gonna go in the direction of hate. We must learn to be as convicted behind our love as some people are convicted behind their hate. And that's why this is about discipline. This is not always, this is not like easy spirituality. This is the, the first resistance we have to face is within ourselves. Now, the Course in Miracles says each and every one of us has a highly individualized curriculum. So what we'll be talking about here today is it's not only what the world is going through, and I'm sure all of you have seen this already, each of us is going through a microcosm of what the world is going through in our own lives. This is a tough time for people. Everybody's stuff is coming up. Everybody's being faced because, being challenged to face ourselves because you spiritually heal through a kind of detox process, very similar to a physical detox. Stuff has to come up in order to be released. Sometimes you, you know, part of the process is the disgust and the horror of facing your own mistakes, but you have to see them in order to atone for them, and you attract people who will forgive you. And through that love, the miracle of your own healing will occur. And the more we heal in our own lives, the, the more powerful we become in collaboration with other people so that all together we will solve the problems of the world. Nobody here needs to be told, we better hurry. Spiritual exercises, like physical exercise, you never get to stop doing it. You never get to say, my body's cool now, I don't need to exercise anymore. <clears throat> because as soon as you stop, physical gravity will weigh you down. Well, same with spiritual musculature. Emotional and psychological gravity will weigh you down. Anger, negativity, cynicism, victimization, all of that. So you do these accumulated repetitions that strengthen you, whether they're physical repetitions or mental and emotional repetitions. So that's how the course works. Calling that self-care, it's certainly about the preparation of self, the preparation of your nervous system. I'm very clear. I, am a, I have a different nervous system on a day that I do my lesson in the morning versus a day that I don't. We all fall off the spiritual wagon sometime during the day, but if you've meditated in the morning, what you're putting in the, under the context of self-care, then your chance of, oops, I gotta get back on the wagon is much greater. 
Whereas if you start in a frazzled, fractured, ego-based, fear-based way in the morning, good luck not being depressed by noon. <laughs>